There are a lot of dark places. Would you agree with that? We speak sometimes about light at the end of the tunnel. We speak about light returning after the uh, winter solstice. And in Jewish and Christian traditions, God spoke to and directed people a lot with light, whether it was the burning bush or the star that led the wise men or uh, Jesus being the light of the world and, and telling humankind that they were the light of the world. And that you don't hide that light under a bushel. Um, three verses into the Hebrew text, God creates light and says it's good, and all manner of laws and regulations exist in that tradition about how to prepare light and handle light and um, you know manage it for rituals, ceremonies, and different occasions. One of their miracles, too, even revolves around light. Um, we, speak of, we speak of light in this culture as somewhat of a primary metaphor for a lot of things that are spiritual or uh, have insight or awakening for the sacred essence that sits at the core of humanity um, and one of the things that we most seek during the course of a lifetime. So I had really almost assumed that that metaphor would be kind of central in other traditions as well, you know, in Buddhism and Taoism and, and Hinduism. And what I found is that, you know, while there are certainly mentions, that's not a pivotal idea in those traditions. So I started kind of wondering where they find what we talk about in this culture when we make metaphors about light. Um, I also thought of the non... Well, that's... It occurred to me that in those other traditions... As was shared in the uh, adult education class this morning, a, a lot of the things that they talk about are very practical. They're outlines. They, uh, they don't do all of the metaphorical explanation that the Western world has gotten from um, the biblical texts or from even some of the, the, the myths and... Um, things that we've used from, from other influences besides Jewish and Christian heritage. I, it requires, like, for two weeks I talked about the uh, Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path of Buddhism and that those are not an easy way to go. That it requires a whole lot of personal commitment and self-knowledge, self-awareness, and devotion in order to to be attending all of these aspects of, of life and, um, you know, your work, your thoughts, your actions, your interactions. Um, but they put focus on that rather than what Western culture has built up for a long time about self-actualization and independence and 
all of these things. So in the Eightfold Path that you're told in the Four Noble Truths to follow, um, you have an outline for how to live. I thought of non-resistance in Taoism and that this too is a guide to living in the world and while it's deeply metaphorical in a lot of ways, it optimizes uh, each one as a teaching tool for how to be. It's not so much stories as statements. Uh, A relatively recently renowned spiritual teacher, I, I, I call him, you may disagree with me, Eckhart Tolle, uh, writes that in Taoism there's a term called Wu Wei, which is usually translated as actionless activity, or sitting quietly doing nothing. In ancient China, this was regarded as one of the highest achievements of virtue, and it uh, is radically different from inactivity in the ordinary state of consciousness, or rather unconsciousness, because you know the these same traditions teach us that we're walking around totally deluded, that everything that we preoccupy ourselves with isn't real. Anyway, um, it's radically different from inactivity or unconsciousness, which all stem out of fear, inertia, or indecision. The real doing nothing implies inner non-resistance and intense alertness, which is the same thing that the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path are trying to tell us. On the other hand, if action is required, you will no longer react from your conditioned mind, the, thing, the filters that we've developed over a lifetime that trigger us in so many ways, but you will respond to the situation out of your conscious presence, full presence. In that state, you're free, your mind is free of concepts, including the concept of nonviolence. So if you're thinking about being nonviolent, you're not in that state. You know, if you're intending something, then you're not in that state. There are so many dark places in our world. Our Unitarian Universalist call is to be a light where there is none. To actually be the light of truth that we must... Uh, we must always move toward deeper awareness and fuller presence. Truth is power. Truth is freedom. But not necessarily the power that we think of. or even freedom the way that we understand that. Truth may not be the way we understand truth. All of these paradoxical notions are a part of many of the traditions too because the whole point is to confound your ordinary thinking. 
and to shut it down so that there is a place where you get beyond that thinking. And if the things that you're trying to sort out can be reasoned out, you don't get there. You still, you're still trying. That's all about control. So from our world religion focus, may we gain a renewed commitment to the journey toward wholeness and being a light in the world by living more mindfully. The more present we are in each task that we undertake, the less we have to think about it. Holding ourselves to higher standards as we go, rather than becoming complacent or just kind of retiring from effort. Um, and all of this it stands paradoxical to no effort. You know, if we're trying, if we're working at it, then how are we allowing it? Um, the same tangle of one thing standing against another is there. And I, I held this up in the koan tradition of the Buddhist, um, the Zen tradition. If there are parts of our behavior that don't please us, I can't answer what that might be for any of you. I know the things about myself that I don't like. If I've gotten to this point in my life and I haven't been able to do anything about them, I might want to look to sources that I have not pursued before. And like I said a minute ago, I'm, I, I'm listening it right now to some Pema children because I, I've, I've studied her before, but right now some of the things that she's suggesting are a way that I think I can begin to adjust some of the things about me I don't like. So I can continue to grow and, and represent you people as more of a light and more of a presence when I go into the community. I want to keep getting better. I want to get better at allowing life to live through me. I want to be the place where God shows up. Uh, you know, and if I'm in my head, I'm getting in my own way. I know personally that light is not the result of my achievements or my intellect. When and if I have the tremendous good fortune to experience light, it's a gift. A hard work miracle, as some people would call it. Um, back to the Christian tradition. When Jesus tells the people that they are the light of the world, it comes on the heels of the, the Beatitudes. 
where everybody's being told to be peacemakers, to be poor in spirit. We keep worrying about whether we have enough. And like the story said, maybe we just need to be better at sharing what we have. And I think what we have the most of and are least aware of is light. Light. 